everybody. Welcome back. Let's let the chat build. Let the beat build. Tyler, how was your trip? What's up, fellas? Go dogs. William Gray. Uh, it was it was insane. Much cooler than I thought it was going to be. So I didn't realize I was up there in New York for a, an engagement party. This I hate every part of this story already. And uh, I'll tell the story once we, we start going live on the pod. Did you run into Ashley? Ashley. Oh, your ex? Yeah, that... Uh... Yeah, no. No, I didn't. And you just disappeared. I don't know what happened. 34 people in here tonight. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know why there's so many people in here right now, but this is great. Fantastic. Uh, I don't know where Chris just went. He was just in here. And uh, he's gone now, so we'll wait for him to get back in. But yes, I was in New York. I actually saw... There he is. There he is. Any any reason why there's so many people here tonight? <laughs> um, it like it jumped from six to forty six in like one second. I don't know what happened. I can't hear you. Yeah, your sounds like going in and out. Video black. All right, how's that? That's better. I hate everything. Um, what's up, guys? This is awesome. We got a whole bunch of people in here. Um, okay, so I'm also going to pull up the YouTube live. We could get um, the comments going from there. Or actually, no one's commenting. Never mind. This is a waste. Yeah, there's five on YouTube and 33 in the Facebook group. That's a bit and of an one, average. And one on Twitch, and that's uh, my boy Booza. It's going strong on Twitch. I love it. Um, um, all right, let's get it going. Ready? Yeah, let's do it. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the College Football Uncensored Podcast, brought to you by Saturday Down South and Texas Pete. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me as always, my co-host, and uh, apparently Ole Miss fan because he's wearing an Ole Miss shirt there. Uh, just a shirt. So, you know, it's all that fits right now. It's like sweatpants. Welcome to the 51 of you that are. Yeah, what currently. is happening right now? <laughs> I have no idea. Did Bama lose or something? Like, and I don't know. <laughs> I, I like, is this because Stetson almost won the Heisman? Like, what's going on? Um, I don't know. Maybe someone famous shared it. Chris uh, Farley's here. Yeah. Pretty sick. Hotty toddy. Uh, where do you want to start? You want to start with your stupid vacation for engagement? I was in New York. York? Uh, I was I was actually in the streets of New York last night with some, and I just saw Carson Palmer and his wife walking by because you know the Heisman was up there. Oh yeah. Uh, so that was weird. Uh, it took me a while to place him. You know how like you you'll know who someone is, but you're like I shouldn't see this person right now. Why Why do I know yeah. this person? And then you're like, oh, that's like that's Carson Palmer. No, no. Um, but yeah, so I was up in New York with my wife, her best friend, uh, just got engaged and her best friend was like a, a model up in New York for years, moved back down to Atlanta, but had met this guy up there that was like a restaurant owner and all this stuff. So they're getting married. Well, I didn't realize that this guy and his twin brother were just like, everyone in New York knows them. So like everyone, we, like 
we were just walking down the street. Everybody knows, knows these guys. Like it was insane. I, I, I felt like a celebrity almost went into these like a very exclusive restaurants, like where he like knows everybody, like the owners and stuff. Last night I was sitting down at dinner next to two, uh, instagram models that both have like one has three three and a half million followers the other one had over a million uh i had no idea who they were but i mean i could see why they're instagram models sounds like a fun trip <laughs> it was Bottom a lot of fun it was city. it was also very expensive um much yeah. more expensive it was one of those like if you ever like if you ever go to like a group dinner and one of the guys is like super super rich and he's like just yeah. keeps ordering things and then it's like all right let's just all just split the bill like, that's well, the fucking word group dinners in general like anybody's <laughs> having a birthday party of over eight people or ten people yeah it's time to reconsider things guys i just yeah. i mean we're not that's 11 so- anymore we're not going to get a bunch of birthday presents and baseball cards so there's no reason to beauty and the beast style yell at your friend from work while you're trying to balance it. that's also awful about birthdays is like trying to balance your work friends versus like your other friends like yeah. your your real friends <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I wanted to give a, a shout out real quick in the chat. So thanks for the reminder, C. Rich. We were talking about this uh, before the show. So apparently, like, I'm not even joking here. Mike Leach, head coach of Mississippi State, is like severely ill. Like, had to be airlifted. Just give it a shout out. <laughs> well, you know, I, we wanted to give him a shout out to say, you know, we're praying for him. Yo, Mike Leach, listen, impending death. That's now bro that's awful like what what happened because he doesn't seem like he's very healthy but he also didn't seem like he was in bad health i don't know but there there was a post on mississippi state's 247 from like their main editor that said that he was airlifted to jackson mississippi in a helicopter um but like apparently whether he makes it or not like he has a long road ahead of him like i don't think he's gonna be the coach next year Oh shit! This is like like serious, serious. Yes, yes. Wow. So that's awful. Uh, wow. I don't know if anyone else in the chat has more. I just saw this post on two four seven, like right before we logged on. But yeah, like the guy on Mississippi State, he's like, "This is not some fire drill or something that involves that's a awful. cough." Coach needs prayers, and he needs them right here and right now. So I don't know if it's COVID related. Um, I, I'm not gonna. COVID. I don't really don't want to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, so. Prayers up to, to Coach Leach. I'm actually re- wearing the Air Raid shirt for the man. Love it. Uh, so, yeah, prayers out to him before we get started with the show. Um, but, yeah. So, anyways, um, semi – I mean, I, I guess so the Heisman was this weekend. It was. In fact, it was this it, weekend. I think it kind of went exactly how we thought it probably would, but we still got to talk about it. Your thoughts? So – and Mac, Mac Nicole the fourth Alex said, "This is a great, it's a great start to the show." It's like I always love the, the viewer feedback. Can you provide a legitimate and rational reason, or just more verbal diarrhea and cranial constipation? What? Well, I can try. Um, I so listen. Like I still maintain that Hetz, or Stetson Bennett should not have been invited. I just like and and just Georgia fans. This entire like just trip and and evolution they've had as a fan base specifically with Stetson Bennett is hilarious to watch unfold because a year ago, this time a year ago, we like the narrative was we can't win the big game. Like we can't win the national title. We can't beat Bama with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. He just come off an SC championship game where he threw like three picks. 
And now he's a Heisman finalist. And it's awesome. It's an awesome story. It's an awesome story. And I'm glad that fan base is finally supporting him. Like they should have been probably doing the first year and a half, two years of his, of his, you know, as a starter. That being said, like, just absolutely miss me with, with if anybody has the excuse of it's not a stats-based award. It a thousand percent is. Whether we like it or not, it a thousand percent is. And like the Heisman has been one of those things. It's kind of like changed, like the meaning of it, like the meaning of votes has kind of changed like at different times throughout the years. Like used to not allow like underclassmen to win and used to be like, you know, fucking Eric Crouch won it for, for some reason one year. But now it like, it's a thousand percent stats based. And if you don't believe me, you look at the numbers that the quarterbacks have put up in the past four or five Heisman's like Lamar Jackson, 50 touchdowns, uh, Baker Mayfield, 40 touchdowns, Joe Burrow, 65 touchdowns. Like, like it's absolutely a stat based award. And Setson had some good stats, especially against ranked teams. Yeah. And more importantly, he's <clears throat> won a lot of big games recently, which sure. You know, so someone in the chat saying, you know, why was the narrative that Georgia fans you know, weren't happy with him. It was up until last year, the games right. that he had played, he'd lost a bunch of big games, which we got. So, yeah. And, and here's the other thing too. If, if, if you're going to like sit here and, and bang the drum for Stetson, and again, it's awesome that they're finally doing that. I didn't hear any of this after the Kentucky game. I didn't hear any of this after the Georgia Tech game. I didn't hear anything about Stetson for Heisman since after week two or three at the start of the year when he got off of that ridiculous start. So if we're being objective and we're just being honest with ourselves, I love Setson Bennett. I, like, I, I think he's a great player. It's a great story. But he had a really good last game of the season, which happens to be the closest game to the time of voting. And we talked about this beforehand. Like, it's a consistent thing with Heisman voters where if you show out the last weekend and somebody has a bad game, we saw it with, with Kyler Murray. Like, that vaulted him to, to getting – he ended up winning it over, over two after he had led the entire season. And it's awesome that he was able to have a really good start to the year and end of the year. And he was great in between. And again, especially against ranked teams. But there hasn't been a single quarterback that's been invited to New York, like even invited, that's thrown less than 20 touchdowns in the last decade besides Keenan Reynolds, who is Navy's triple option quarterback. And if if the argument is going to be that, well, he did great against ranked teams in his biggest, you know, in his biggest moments, he played five ranked teams. Caleb Williams played the exact same amount. Caleb Williams played six top 40 defenses. Stetson played four. They had almost identical touchdown to to interception ratios, like 17 and and two or 17 and two, I think. And then 16 and two, like he didn't, there's, there's a minimum three to four other players at his own position that mean more to their team. And have had more spectacular and, and, incre- and impressive seasons than what Stetson has done. I mean, just and, and listen, if, if if you think the last thing I'll say to Georgia fans, like if this dude was wearing any other helmet or any other logo besides that G, I I guarantee you, if this kid was the starting quarterback at Florida, you would not be saying the same shit about how Stetson Bennett should be a Heisman finalist. And again, I love Stetson Bennett, but you know, putting up like slightly above average numbers doesn't deserve like i think a trip to new york i i actually personally think it's kind of crazy that um to me like blake quorum and hinden hooker both had better years and i feel like unfairly because they got injured at the end of the year yeah it shouldn't diminish what they did for the first 10 games hinden hooker was the leader the entire time and by the way real quick before i lose my mind like i did all this research and so the whole the, the lazy ass narrative of 
they don't even know Castleberry. Somebody else asked this in the in the comments. The whole narrative of like, well, the Pac-12 is weaker. He's playing against weaker opponents. Again, he played the Pac-12 had six ranked teams, the same amount as the SEC this year. Caleb Williams faced two more top 40 defenses and the same amount of ranked teams that Stetson Bennett faced. Right. I, like I just I I don't understand. Like every single metric you look at, it's like, and again, a great story. But like Hinton Hooker, like yeah, he sh- he played eleven games, and all of a sudden he's out. And then like, you know, I, I don't think Bryce necessarily should have been invited. But like Bijan Robinson had twenty touchdowns, and and like didn't even sniff an invite. Uh, you know, like and I understand the kid from UNC fell off at the end of the year. But if the argument's going to be, well, how many of those players are undefeated? First off, stop moving the goalposts because that's never mattered as to why you win the Heisman in in over a decade. Maybe since maybe Troy Smith. Like that's not what that doesn't warrant a Heisman trophy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love the old uh, like it used to be. It's an uh, outstanding performance, which best exhibits the pursuit of excellence with integrity. Winners epitomize great ability combined with diligence, perseverance, and hard work. This award came out in the 30s, and that explanation yeah. of the Heisman Award is from the 30s. Yeah, for let's, sure. Let's be real honest. Hard work. It might be the only thing that, like, like that might have been his best argument was, like. Yeah, like, he was, like, a 1935 winner of the Heisman. Yeah. Um Look, I, I hate to diminish Stetson because he ha- obviously has had a fantastic career that's yeah. definitely not over. But I mean, Caleb Williams was by far, in a way, um, the guy who should have won the award. 4,075 yards, 37 touchdowns to just four picks, completed 66% of his passes. Um, in a year where USC, like, we kind of came on here at the beginning of the year and we're like, yeah, USC, like, it's year one. They sucked last year. Everybody chill out. And they yeah, were on the doorstep of making the playoffs. Um, pretty crazy. Lincoln Ryland Riley now has three Heisman winners out of the last six seasons as head coach. All of them were transfers. Yeah, every single one. Yeah, so it's uh it's pretty cool. Obviously, Max Duggan came in second. Uh, he was the closest, but what really wasn't too close. C.J. Stroud Man, third. Kid, Stetson those fourth. pictures, dude. You see that kid just dripping swag all weekend. I'm Max talking hands in, head to fucking toe, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my man worked in an REI in high school, no doubt. For sure. Um, we do have one comment that said, uh, next topic. Sad to say, we're not going to move on yet because I have a couple more things about this. Just um, Also, Caleb Williams, that speech. I, I thought it was weird, like, just seeing some of the reactions to Caleb Williams, like, about him not being like like apparently people think he's like not a good kid or and i don't i don't really know i like, i think that the fingernail from? thing like uh, probably okay um but like i was talking to one of my buddies today he's just so happens to be a georgia fan he's like i just think you know that's that's just uncalled for and the sportsmanship you know but fuck utah i'm like dude isn't like kirby's main thing like fuck these motherfuckers like about florida like i love that like oh, yeah. but the speech he gave was it was it, it was like the the fucking like final scene in Titanic. It just didn't stop. It just didn't stop. And it was he had a story for everything. Um, <laughs> that was the like the one downside of it. Uh, but no, like to I had like this takeaway from it, which was like the immediate response, like from a lot of people, was like, "Well, Lincoln Riley can only win Heisman's because he's this is like his what third or fourth now." Third, yeah. 
Okay. And so he had Baker, the- Kyler, now Caleb. I hate every single one of those names. It sounds like the worst boy band ever. And then Jalen Hurts, you know, finished second, like um, in 2019. But some, or I guess my question is like, do you think the reputation he has of like, well, he can't win big games and he only can produce Heisman's or like elite statistical seasons and quarterback play? Do you think that's like a knock on him? Because I don't really, I don't think. Do you think he's less of a coach, or is it less impressive that he hasn't been able to win a like? a big game or a playoff game just because of like the disparity between the two accomplishments. Uh, I don't only because this is kind of a theme. The sec has been, and will continue to be dominant in the trenches where football is typically won. Right. The game has evolved a lot into seven on seven skill players, you know, awesome wide receivers, great QB. And you have to have a great QB to win a championship. I mean, at, at least a very solid one. I guess they don't have to be great. Right. Um, but you know, being at Oklahoma and now USC, we'll see. We'll see what NIL does to maybe potentially change how national schools recruit. But the best recruits come from the South when it comes to the the trenches. It seems, or at least on the D line, and you weren't getting those out in Oklahoma, and they they don't really grow on trees in California either. Um, they've got the palm trees, right? Yeah. Um, I just think that. If he was a coach in the SEC and he was able to get some athletes like that along the D line, I think he would have already won a championship by now. I just That's think fair. it's a. I just think it, you don't. Re, you didn't really need that kind of dominant O line or D line, and, and really it was more on the D line in the Big Twelve, and you shouldn't in the Pac uh, Twelve either. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think any less of him as a coach. I think he's a great offensive mind. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, so in the same theme of that the other question i have from this because stetson again just an incredible story and like it's awesome that this kid like you think again think about where we were a year ago this weekend versus where we are now because because now it's like almost like an afterthought because he just all he does is win and he like he did step up and they like in every big game they had and and, and you know like outshined hinden hooker bo Nix, like all those guys um my question is the narrative about kirby smart not being able to develop quarterbacks. I think there's some people that think that that narrative is, is gone now because Stetson was a Heisman finalist and like the, the numbers he's put up. Do you think that this, like, do you think Stetson making it to New York and, and being a Heisman finalist, like finally puts those, like that narrative to bed. Like that's just, that narrative is, is, is dead now. I, I don't, I mean, I personally don't think that it's dead in the terms of like, I don't think Stetson's some like, ridiculous qb that was developed i mean i don't think you could sit here and say he makes the wrong decision at quarterback now which was has been yeah. off in the narrative um but let's let's wait on like he develops he's like now suddenly like a quarterback whisperer and he should just i mean yeah let, let's see what happens next um certainly there's a talented room there so you would think that um there'd be no excuses to not have a very talented guy uh you know take over for stetson next year um, and then we'll see, you know, um, Carson Beck, people have been waiting to see him. I mean, if he's been on the bench for what, this will be three years now? Dude, Brock, I mean, he's he's not even the highest ranked recruit in that room. <laughs> like from, you know, like Brock Vandergriff and then and the kid, uh, the kid from Raven County, too. So, um, OK, anyway, so people are fired up about the Stetson thing. 
like it, and it's like I wish they were this fired up like a year ago about it. But um, I know that's that was my question because like I, I was talking to somebody about it today, and there's just there was such a long line of of like I think overthinking from Kirby with his quarterbacks, like, and most of them that you know he would bring in these five stars. And I remember saying a couple of years ago on the SDS pod, like, if you're a five star quarterback, how do you trust that Kirby Smart is going to do the best thing for you and your potential? and like to maximize your potential as a, as a five-star quarterback recruit. And I'll stand by it now because bottom line is Kirby doesn't like, he doesn't give a shit about like your draft stock. And if you're a, if you're, or you, cause you're a five-star, you're going to start, like he's going to put the, the t- person on the field that has the best chance of winning them football games. And he also knows in his back pocket, he's got the best defense in the country almost every single year. So, and I think Munkin has been a huge, just like a, a revelation for that program um, in, in the best of ways and like what he's been able to do with Stetson and also the offense in general. Um, I mean, like, like it, it's already gotten to a point where like, where like even the, the awards and the accomplishments are just stupid. It's like, they're the first team ever to have a first and second team, all SEC tight end on the same team. Um, and just, it's, you know, stuff like that. But no, I, I think that like the narrative at least quiets down, but if you get into next year and, you know, it, say Munkin's gone. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh he goes to Purdue. I don't think he goes to Purdue. Why the fuck would you want to go to Purdue? Well, I, I mean, I certainly wouldn't, but if you're looking to get into coaching, I mean, here's the thing with this whole new like college football world. If you can lock yourself into being a head coach at an SEC or a Big Ten school, you're good. So like Purdue would probably True. be a stepping stone if he has bigger ambitions. But if you can be in the Big Ten, like I, I, I get Brom is from Louisville, but like I kind of yeah, feel like, like even though Louis, yeah, like Louisville is a better program than Purdue. Like I've got real questions about the ACC's long term legitimacy, and so I, I don't know. All right. All right. Well, listen, I, I, I wasn't necessarily going to end this part of this segment yet, but we're going to because I just saw a comment that said Mike Bobo is already here as if that was the answer for if Munkin leaves. And I never thought I would hear that. So, um, yeah, like I mean, the big news, I think, from this week was um, everyone left. Like every single player that could possibly leave besides Georgia left in the transfer portal. It opened on Monday. We recorded the, the last pod, I think, Sunday night. Georgia's gonna have their fair share though after the playoffs are over. Sure, but but like I mean there was there was at last I checked there were thirteen hundred players in the transfer portal and it was only like that's yeah. after a matter of days. There was over a thousand by day two. We we're talking about uh, like NCAA football as a whole and like the FBS is like I think thirteen thousand players. A thousand were immediately in the transfer portal. Yeah, in how many of those will actually sign with a school that could be t- deemed better than their current situation? 10%. They, well, they did it like 24. Half of them will just not even play college football ever again, because the, it's just simple math. You can't have that many people go. There's not that many spots that are, that are currently open. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. And uh, a lot of these kids, you know, these, these coaches say, if you're going to hit the portal, we're taking you off the roster. You don't have a spot here anymore. And of course, you know, this has also turned into, and like, this is every school, like, and, and I'm a Florida State guy. And I know, I can tell by the guys that have hit the portal for Florida State, they were told to hit the portal. Yeah. They were explaining that they're not going to be playing here. Um, so 
it the like this whole portal thing was supposed to help the players and it does in some cases but it's also it hurting the players a ton because yeah but got, they're kind of doing it to themselves right but in this case we're like like for like example Dion said yeah with the with the luggage what a dickhead god it, look, I, I've been on record with the Dion thing. It's either going to be really, really good or really, really bad. There's going to be no in between. I just like that. That wasn't astonishing necessarily. It was, but it wasn't because it's Dion. But the fact that he started like rescinding offers to committed players that are in high school that that's fucked up. So Trevor Garza brought up the point that I was trying to trying to remember, which is. Um, Josh Pate said 42% of FCS transfers don't sign with another FCS school. It's actually FBS. No. 42%. They don't sign with another FBS team. Right. So they have to go down in competition or stop playing. Yeah. Get a job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I just, I mean, I just was shocked. And like, it's it's like fun and exciting because it's it's college ball free agency and all that kind of stuff. But man, it like, and the whole idea that there's no tampering I like if it hasn't already happened and I guarantee you like big programs already have this in place, but within the next year or two, you're going to see entire divisions of coaching staffs that are just like scouting out other players from around the country outside of your conference and trying to like see who they need to go poach in the off season, like for an immediate upgrade. Um, 100%. I mean, if you're not doing that now, you're behind. I mean, um, I'll, the whole thing with Marius Mims last year from Georgia and Florida State, yeah. like he hit the portal the next day, he was on Florida State's campus, signed an NIL deal. Things went awry, but like you awry. can't tell me that <laughs> uh, you can't tell me that that was not planned for months. Yeah, and then he ended up going back to Georgia, and that like, yeah. I somebody's, I mean, somebody asked this in the comments, and people have asked like a bunch of times, like, what happens to the NIL money if you transfer? I, I have no idea, like. Yeah, I mean, Quinn Ewers signed a million dollar deal and left after a semester. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, like I, I, I honestly don't know how that works out. I'm sure they'll put something in place like to protect themselves from it, um, especially in this economy. But yeah, I mean, like it's just it's wild because like it's affecting high school recruiting for one, because you're basically getting. I remember like, play, like playing baseball in college. Like a lot of coaches, especially if they were coming into a program like like and, and just starting and trying to build up a program they would just go like raid JUCOs way over and like prioritize that instead of high school recruits, because you're talking about like veterans and like people that have already been playing for multiple years and, and, you know, and like grown and, and like just a little bit like more physically developed and, and all that kind of stuff. That's what they're doing now at the transfer portal. But it's like, also it's bizarre to watch the value of some of these players. Cause like they don't, they don't rate any of them like five stars for the most part. Um, and I'm looking at the, the list from 24 seven. And this is my next question. I want to ask you is like, like top needs for some of like, like well-known schools is looking at this list. And this is just the overall, uh, top players in the transfer portal. Okay. And hold on a second. So A&M, um, Denver Harris is a cornerback. Uh, there's a cornerback named Fentrell Cypress from Virginia. Mm-hmm. Devin Leary. We talked about that a little bit from NC state. Jaheim Bell's in there and DJ, uh, Uwalungale, that, that's the top five. Spencer Sanders. How is he still eligible to play? I, I, I don't know. 24 sevens doing everything in their power to not let him <laughs> like, 
He is, I mean, this is like a like a three year starter, right? Dude, he's been at Oklahoma State since like I think before Brandon Whedon. Okay, so he's the fifty sixth ranked player in the transfer portal. Spencer Sanders is. Yeah. I mean, I thought he was better than that. I did too. I mean, it's it's just wild to watch because like like some of the stories and stuff like that. Like the theater of it's pretty pretty great. Fucking Austin Stonger, who went from Oklahoma yeah. to South Carolina, went back to Oklahoma. So South Carolina lost both their tight ends. Yeah, and Jaheim Bell apparently is going to go to Florida State. But I, like Connor brought this up too. Them going he, like, I would take a look at Georgia if I was them. Right, I mean, right, right. Just throwing it out there. But yeah, some of these names, like what, what are like off the top of your head, like what are the what schools have like the biggest needs they could address in the transfer portal? So like Auburn quarterback everything like how about if Hugh Freeze goes out and gets Devin Leary I mean that totally changes Mm -hmm. what Auburn is overnight immediately um but I mean like what do you think Bama does next year like do you think Milrose the guy do they they throw in the Ty Simpson or do they need more of a veteran because I know Simpson's a true freshman this year I I would love if Milrose like played a full season because I think he's just an electric athlete and he's so much fun to watch but that's a nine and three or ten and two season for sure because he's just not a developed passer. Um, if I'm mm-hmm. if I'm Bama, like I immediately go get Devin Leary and 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 like throw any amount of money at him possible because here's the thing about Bama too. I've been saying this for a while. Like you start seeing like the drop off they've already had in terms of like like you know underachieving this year. You don't just just re like reload generational talents at at every position like you think about how average the quarterback position was at Bama for years and years. And then you get Jalen hurts Tua, Mac Jones, Bryce Young, whoever's next, like there's probably going to be a drop off. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta like go out there and try to shore that up immediately, especially if fucking Bill O'Brien is still employed. Um, I'll be fascinated to see where DJ U goes. I, I still think that he can have decent numbers in a West coast um, on a West coast team bit closer to home maybe a little bit easier competition i'm not saying the acc is the easiest competition or the the hardest competition but um i think that's and then brandon armstrong the qb from virginia he wasn't very good this year but he was extremely good last year um and so he's a lefty qb but um you know it'd be interesting to see where he fits in um i think quarterbacks are obviously you know the the plug and play guys that can change over a program overnight but I mean, even if you take a look at uh, like wide receiver, like this kid Allie Jennings, who's like the the top receiver on yeah. on three, like he's coming from what what logo is that? Old Dominion. Yeah, and there's one from Rhode Island too. Yeah, a tackle from Rhode Island. Like this kid, you know, he's six six three twenty playing at Rhode Island. Like so. Also, um, real quick, I love I love the fact that the kid from Western Kentucky was like just thriving all year in that offense because like that's what the offense does and immediately try to cash in on it and is is in the transfer portal as well. The Austin um, Reed kid, the quarterback? Yeah. Yeah, Austin he Reed. so he was at West Florida before that, transferred into Western Kentucky for a year, put up a bunch of numbers back in the portal. Yeah. Um anyway, yes, yeah, so I, I it's super interesting. I think like just again looking around the SEC like 
other needs that like Kentucky really needs a quarterback and in, in, in offensive line and skill position players. Also, they're going to lose Chris Rodriguez as well. Um, I don't know what Tennessee really needs. I mean, like, I don't, I'm sure they need something. I just can't off the top of my head think of like anything. Defensive that, players. I mean, yeah. Apparently they need a tight end because I know we're we're fighting them for the second ranked tight end on on three, which is Kyle Morlock, who's it's insane, dude. He he's from he's not even from FCS. He's from Division Two. Okay. He, he goes to shorter college in Rome. I, I yeah, I heard about this kid. Okay. Six seven, uh, two hundred fifty pounds. I mean, I've I can't find any tape on him because he he I mean. For those of you who don't know where Rome, Georgia is, I mean, to th- th- think that there's a college in that town. Um, it is a, it, well, it's not a shithole, but it's like. And like this kid's getting offers from Auburn, Tennessee, like Florida State's big in on him. Like, so obviously there's some tape out there on him, but um, I know that Tennessee, and they already picked up a Tennessee transfer, uh, McAllen Castles. From these are, Lake, okay, we're getting more, Lake more Tahoe. into like. We're getting more and more into like, remember when you would play like dynasty mode and, and like in year six or seven in NCAA football, all the names would be fucking ridiculously made up because they're just like, they ran out of stuff to say. McKenzie Castles. McCallan is actually his name, like the scotch. Wow. Um, uh, yeah. So, they, and trust me, like there's already what, whatever you said, 1300 kids in the portal. There's yeah. going to be more because there's still four teams that are actually playing for something worth a shit that most of their players aren't going to be in the portal unless they truly just aren't even playing at this point. Like I saw Michigan had Cade McNamara and uh, one of their tight ends go in, but like obviously those guys aren't playing if they still have a chance to win a championship right. and they're like fucking them out. Um, but you're going to see a lot of talented guys off Georgia enter. And then we're going to go through the spring period. Oh, like God, think about Georgia. This. Think about Georgia. They're going to have a spring competition. Someone's going to win that job at quarterback and there's, Three other five stars are just sitting there on the bench, like, all right, well, fuck. I've been here for two years. It's like that at every fucking position, though. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I like there's still gonna be a lot of movement on this. Mm-hmm. Um I I'll be interested to watch Clemson, man, because Davo has been very like against taking any portal players. Yeah. And he's starting to lose a lot of players from the portal. I was looking at them like they are losing a lot of players off this year's team, like a lot of snaps played. And a lot of talent on that defense too. Yes, and I'm just saying if you're if you're not taking portal players at this point, you're behind. And I just think something like that is gonna is gonna ultimately undo him. Um, and maybe we're seeing signs of that already. Yeah. Um, looks uh, like Arkansas it, got a nice commitment from um, the number three ranked or number four ranked receiver from Texas A&M Commerce, Andrew okay. Armstrong. Armstrong, he's six six. So, a lot of movement. Should, yeah, it's impressive. Um, all right, yeah, we don't need to get into all of it because it's going to be an ongoing thing. Um, also, signing day is coming up, I think. Is it this week or next week? Signing day is next week. It's like right Jesus before Christ, Christmas. Man. It's weird as fuck. Yeah. Um, and like, we'll probably get more into that, I think, next week, maybe. Like, I, I just, yeah. recruiting is such a fucking monster to, to keep up with. Dude, and with NIL, like, obviously, we saw last year with Travis Hunter. Like anything could happen at this point. Like you could just come in. Like if someone desperately needs, like Auburn. Apparently they they have built a war chest of nil shit. Like, yeah. How do you like? A war how do you know that they don't go yeah. in and just say like, hey, you know what? Like, 
number one running back in the country. We need talent in this offense. We're going to offer you, if Texas has given you two, we're going to offer you four. Come here. Yeah. And it could change at the last minute. So really until these kids sign, I mean, and I'm jaded as a Florida State fan with the whole Travis Hunter thing. I mean, who knows where any of these kids are going? Um, I don't understand why people would still be going to Texas A&M with Jimbo's coach. It's just a personal thing. We're not going to attack Trevor Garza again. And his, no, no, no. His... But, like, dude, they're lo- like kids that were freshmen this year are already leaving. Like all the like Chris Marshall you saw left. They're top. Yeah. You know, him and Evan Stewart were the top guys there. Um, they had a five-star DN that was a freshman this year leave. I don't know. I'm sure Jimbo will turn it around. But um, <laughs> Tony Grimes, or uh, was it Tony Grimes, the kid from UNC? Yeah um that's that'll be interesting to watch that one um but yeah like it is it is essentially just free agency and 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 players moving from team to team just like coaches used to do um i still want to get into your potential heisman early heisman candidates for next year um mainly because i want to make fun of yeah i think that's i think that's one yeah no um connor did an article today that that he posted uh and it was really good until the very last one which i i'm gonna surprise you with and it's gonna shock you like legitimately shock you um, but no, so like, like with all the shit going on with like transfer portal and all this, like all that chaos, like the coaching carousel has been outside of Hugh freeze. I feel like very, very overlooked. Um, yeah, like Matt rule went to Nebraska. Uh, the, the news that came out on Friday, there's that, not a ton of high profile openings though. No, that's true. Like la- I mean, the last couple of years, there have been huge jobs that have been filled like Florida, yeah. LSU, USC, Oklahoma, like Notre Dame. Yeah. LSU, I think I said, but like all these big, big names, I think we're just kind of on a down cycle for the coaching, which is good to keep people employed. Yeah. Um, but the assistant coaches, Barry Odom leaves Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas fans rejoice, I'm sure. Probably, yeah. Uh, like that was, man, he could do no wrong. Um, I think he's at UNLV. He yeah. took the UNLV job, which I really was hoping Coach O would get. Um, <laughs> Liam Cohen, this is probably the, I think the, the most encouraging yeah. news that Liam Cohen coming back from the Rams going to Kentucky. And if you watch just, if you just watched Kentucky, not even this year versus last year, but the two years prior to him being there when Terry Wilson was the quarterback and Lynn Bo- uh, Bowden Bowden. Yep. I mean, they, they couldn't do hardly anything on offense. It was, it was like at one point when, when Bowden came in, they were running, they were running the football 82% of their plays in the final four or five games of the season. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but I think that uh, well, that's not a bad point. Why can't we get an offensive and defensive Heisman? We'll, we'll do that in a minute. Um, but Liam Cohen, that, I think that's huge. But the news that came out on Friday where Bobby Petrino has surfaced as a potential candidate for the offensive coordinator position yeah. at, at A&M. So I feel like what he's what Jibbo, if he makes this hire. Wait, we totally skipped over the Heisman. What? The potential Heisman winners next year. Yeah, we're going to do it after this. Okay, all right. Um, so if, if Jimbo actually hires Petrino, Petrino is a good offensive mind. You saw, you know, he's he's still got it. Um, he's not exactly known for, like, being a good culture guy, though. No, or, or like, not abandoning any and all responsibilities and his team in, in multiple, yeah. like, levels. Or really just being a good guy in general. He's a pretty big piece of shit for sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so I think what Jimbo's building here, and I don't think Jimbo's a bad guy, but if his two coordinators are Bobby Petrino and DJ Durkin, Oof. I mean, you're putting together just a, a dream team, a Mount Rushmore of assholes 
Like, so that's that's tough to beat when it comes to just most unlikable staff of all time. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, and I don't. I I think I don't think this is gonna happen. Do you? I just don't think that he's going to give up play calling. He, this was a topic of conversation every offseason in Tallahassee as well, and he never did. I know they fired their OC. But he's not bringing it. Can you imagine Jimbo and Bobby Petrino sitting down and Jimbo being like, all right, Bobby, tell me tell me what we're going to do. No, no fucking chance. No, there's no way they could be civil, in my opinion. Like, like no. And Jimbo kind of has to have, in my, like, I think he has to have somebody that's like a like not a puppet, but it's like not going to challenge him. Cause he, I mean, like, and I listen, the, that LSU game, I think is going to end up being a huge, huge detriment to that, that program more than it was like, a, you know, a, a celebration from the win because now you end the season with him thinking like, I still got it, man. You see me dialing yeah, up all those yeah. plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So like, I, I mean, I, I don't know how that turns out. It's interesting because the two coordinators, I think have been on the biggest hot seat. Um, Bill O'Brien and, and, and Pete Golding are still very much employed. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, hold on. Somebody said uh, Billy Lucci from Texas confirmed Jimbo is 100% giving up play calling. There's no chance. Yeah, we'll see about that. Um, I'm yeah, not I- saying that that's wrong. I just... And Billy Lucci may be getting that from Jimbo, but let's just wait and see on that. Um some more SEC assistant coaching movement. Uh, Auburn hired their D coordinator today, former Baylor DC, Ron Roberts. Like Apparently, that. Arkansas wanted him really bad as well. So um, he came in with Aranda when Aranda got the Baylor job. Um, he was also a D coordinator for two seasons at Louisiana Lafayette. Um, but yeah, his defense at Baylor led the Big 12 and run defense in last year. They were number three this year. So I don't know how much that really means being third in the big 12 and run defense. Like that doesn't seem like a huge coup. Um, but admittedly, I don't know too much about him. He's uh, Baylor's finished 52nd, 28th and 55th nationally in yards per play during his three years there. So there's a lot to those numbers. I'm sure um, I'm not going to judge a defensive coordinator hire, especially with a guy that I've never heard of. But I mean, Auburn gets to is- DC. Yeah. I mean, this is like, and this off season, they should be able to whittle down the amount of coordinators they hire. Cause last season inexplicably and almost, you know, against all odds, they somehow hired and fired three separate coordinators for two positions, which is incredible. Um, it sounds also, like Auburn may got- also hire former, former Tulsa coach Phil Montgomery as their OC. Just based off his name, I'm not impressed. Also, yeah. they hired somebody named Fred McGriff, and I could not have been more confused all week. Wes McGriff. Um, Wes McGriff. Okay. <laughs> they call him the crime dog, and it's like, what the fuck are we doing? Um, okay. Anyway, so yeah, that's like all the, the trench, or I guess the, the coaching carousel shit. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? Like The Heisman the, stuff. So obviously, Caleb Williams next year will be a front runner, no doubt. Yeah. Um, a couple other guys. I mean, I mentioned Jordan Travis, but definitely serious on that. I think he's going to put up big numbers next year. You've got Drake May from UNC, um, who was getting into the conversation this year, and then UNC fell apart at the end, which I think that's always going to be an issue. 
because Carolina, like their defense is so bad. And I know you're, yeah. a, Chiswick, you're a Chiswick guy, right? I, I he's a very nice man, but that is yeah. he has not impressed me with with his last couple yeah. stops. Um, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, that kid kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, he was a big recruit, but like everyone talked about Jackson Smith and Jigba and Julian Fleming was a five star and you had a couple other guys on that team, Emeka Aguka. But Marvin Harrison Jr. this year had, you know, almost a thousand yards, 11 touchdowns in 10 games. Um, so I think he'll be on there. You could definitely see Brock Bowers on there. William Gray mentioned yeah. it. Um, I'll be interested to see if Munkin does move on. I mean, clearly when you got that much tight end talent in the room, you're going to want to feature them, but maybe that's a Munkin thing. And I don't know. Um, JJ McCarthy, maybe. Yeah, I can see that. Um, like I said earlier, Connor put out a, a list or an article today. And, and this is, this is his, the SEC's top Heisman candidates heading into next year. So you just tell me if you agree or disagree. Quinshawn Judkins is first, which I agree with. Nothing. Quinshawn Judkins, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, is Evan still there next year? I think so. Yeah. I mean, he's like technically like a like a, like a redshirt, double redshirt sophomore. Um, okay. Rocket Sanders from Arkansas. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Yeah, he really came on at the end of this year, and, and KJ really. Yeah, that's that's the next one on here. Like they they I think they him and Jenkins both had over fourteen hundred yards. Um, yeah, look, you look at KJ Jefferson, he just continues to fly under the radar just because the like the team, but he's been incredible, really. Like, like I hate the fact too, also, like another lazy narrative is like, yeah, he's a dual threat quarterback, he's a running quarterback. Like he can run, but like that's not what he does. Like, that's just that's not his whole thing. Right. Um and he's like a because he's a big dude. Uh 43 touchdowns to eight interceptions over the past two seasons uh he's been ranked in the top 10 nationally in qb rating each year had over 1100 yards rushing uh in both years combined 12 games uh so basically half with at least uh three total touchdowns so that's pretty impressive brock bowers and here's the the one that got me I, just give me your darkest of dark horses for the heisman from the sec and oh, tell boy. me why it's not Connor Wegman from Texas A&M. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there'd have to be a lot that changes for him to get even a sniff at that. Yeah, I, I understand that he's talented. He's the most talented QB that Jimbo's had there. But, I mean, what we saw on the field this year, not just from him, I know he's a true freshman, but just from the scheme, I don't know, man. That is a dark horse. Very dark horse. Like, I mean, again, <laughs> the like the darkest of, of dark horses. Um, Black Beauty. ESPN, they put out, yeah, like ESPN put out a couple as well. Um, TCU QB Chandler Morris, because apparently he beat out uh, Max Duggan in, in fall camp. Um, some of the, I didn't really agree with this, but they have Arch Manning, Kyle McCord, the Ohio State quarterback for next year, Clade, um, Club Cade Klubnick. Mm. Um, Jordan Travis, the quarterback from Texas Tech, Tyler Schulch, uh, the running back from Michigan, Donovan Edwards. Like you said, Marvin Harrison Jr., Jaden Daniels made the list, which is pretty impressive. Um, Devin yeah, Lee, he Dylan might go. Gabriel. Is he going to go to the NFL? There's no way. I, 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 I wouldn't be crazy to just to. because, dude, there's like, there's, 
well, Keyshawn Booty's coming back. I think Malik Neighbors is coming back. Jack Beck entered the transfer portal. But, like, this this class for quarterbacks is, like, not one you want to, like, compete with if you're, if you're right. down, I feel like. Even though his stock is probably pretty high right now. Um, I like I liked all those. I think that another one, I would say, um, Quinn Ewers from from Texas. Yeah. Just going into year three. Does Bama um, play the Texas numbers next they, year? They might be able to put up. Yeah. At, uh, in Tuscaloosa. In Tuscaloosa. That'll be a good game. Um, Bo Nix. Uh, again, yeah. like, that's not I even like a joke. Say this, but like, well, so this has been like a, like widely accepted at this point. But I like somebody said the other day, like if he doesn't go pro, if he doesn't leave for the NFL a, a year early, he will be a top Heisman candidate next year. That's never that's never in my fucking life that I think that was going to be a sentence any of us ever said. Um, yeah, so that's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, but just like from around the country, I think, I think all of those, um, I think all three of those, I don't know if he's going to get enough wins, but Talia, um, up at Maryland, just because the sheer numbers they're putting up. Mm -hmm. Um, I like you said about JJ McCarthy too. I think that's a really, really good point. Um, who else we missing? I feel like, I mean, I, I, Jordan Travis, I don't think Miami's got anybody. Sam Hartman, if he, I mean, he could. Oh yeah, uh, there's rumors right that Hartman might go to Florida. Maybe he could pick up. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's gonna be there's a, there's a ton of talent coming back next year as well. So for sure. Um, what's next? Well, let me let me do a, an ad read and then we'll go to the next topic here. Uh, so let's take a quick timeout to talk about some of these spicy plays by Texas Pete. Texas Pete has the spice and flavor that's kicking this football season up a notch. If you haven't tried the original hot sauce or their new traditional barbecue sauce, run, don't walk, to grab yourself a bottle today. Visit texaspeat.com for recipes and hot apparel. Plus, take 20% off your entire order with promo code UNCENSORED. Win big with Texas Pete when you sauce like you mean it. Love Texas Pete. I left all my Texas Pete. I don't have any of my Texas Pete right now. I don't like it. It's like losing a kid in a divorce. No? literally yeah oh, okay. <laughs> um no i mean so uh the next time like i want to talk about this because we we went over like the bowl games um a little bit last week they're going to get started this week Look, yeah also football talk did you watch the army navy game at all i i no i was busy oh okay and it was yeah. actually really good oh okay i get did the under hit again kevin McAllister were hanging out so no, because they went to overtime for the first time in series history. It, the oh, under shit, really? was at thirty-two, and they went to overtime, and it was they ended up being I think at thirty-seven. Um, it was a really good game. It was a really good ending to the game. At one point, I think in the third or fourth quarter, they had zero pass. One of the teams had zero passing yards, which is tough to do. Um, but yeah, that was a good game. And then, so the other thing is, I was going to say, I was looking at some of these bowl games because like not all of them are great, but there are some that I think have a really good opportunity like where, and we talk about all the time how like the playoff, if it's playoff or bust. And like, if you're not in the playoff, it's like the bowl game doesn't matter, but there's a couple of games that I think could be like a huge springboard for certain teams going into next season if they win. Um, so I was going to say like looking through some of these bowl games, like which three jump out to you at most for like the biggest opportunity to like, for like, most to gain from a potential win in that bowl game. I can start if you want. Yes, please do. 
Okay. Um, I think South Carolina playing Notre Dame is like, I mean, just, just because of the fact that like South Carolina, they've already, they've already beat Tennessee. They already beat um, Clemson. They, they, you know, they've, they've had all of these like accomplishments already. And Notre Dame's not a great team necessarily, but they are a very, very big brand name. Right. Mm-hmm. And like having that name with an L next to it or a W next to it, if you're, if you're South Carolina, I think would be huge for like just the perception of that program going into the off season. Um, I like that pick. I, yeah. Uh, the other one here, I like, and I'm, I'm not just saying this cause it's you, but like, I think that Florida state getting a 10 win season would be really, really big for them. Oh yeah. I, I like Oklahoma. I, I started looking into it more and more like they're six and six. So I was like, Oh, I wish we would have played somebody a little bit better, but their offense is actually really good. Um, their defense is just atrocious. And yeah, ours, our team is kind of similar. We just played in the worst conference, so we won more games. So it actually could be a pretty good game. Uh, but yeah, I, I to get 10 wins would be huge for the program. Um, and I think they can get it done. Um, how about Tulane? Like for yeah. Tulane to beat USC, like I, I just think that that's that'd be such a cool one because Caleb Williams is going to play. <clears throat> no, he's not. And, and, and by the way, people are going to be insufferable about, about the Heisman, especially. And also the Pac-12, that whole narrative is just going to get so much, so much more strength to it if they lose at Tulane, which what they could. K- what about Kansas State? I, so I, I, I said this last week, and we didn't really get into it, but I, I really think that this is one of the most important games at like for for Saban, non-playoff games in in a long, long time. Because I think that like the program is not in, it's not anywhere close to feeling as strong and solid and foundation as it has in years past, even a year ago. And last year, it felt like that team was put together by duct tape. Um, you lose 12 players in the portal almost instantly, um, which is kind of normal. But at the same time, like it, it's, if they go out there and, and it's 2008 Utah, like you already heard Will Anderson talk about it. And, and I think a lot, like, you know, this was like a kind of like a consistent theme throughout the locker room this season. It, like the lack of confidence that that team had in itself and probably with good reason, that might've been the biggest difference out of anything I've saw. They did not, they never felt like they were going to go in and do the things that Bama's done for the last 15 years. And Kansas state is a really good team and it's a yeah. perfect situation for them. And they've got Deuce Vaughn and they got like a great offense. They have a, a much better defense that people give them credit for. Most importantly, they have no Bryce young to play against unless I'm missing something and he's playing. He hasn't game. announced yet, but yeah, it would be stupid if we're yeah. not. To I don't know. Yeah. Um, same with Will Anderson, but like, you know, and, and the other part of it too is like, I'm assuming he's not going to play, nor should he. But this game could be really, really great and really fun to watch with Jalen Milrow if you put a plan, a game plan in place, like around his skill set. Right. And Bill O'Brien refused to do that at the the limited times we saw him this season. But I don't know. I, I think it's like if they lose, I think there's a lot of questions and like. Like, you know, I think there's probably some some solid evidence that maybe that maybe the dynasty is dead. If that, you know, <laughs> it sounds weird because it's a bowl game, but still. Yeah, that should be should be interesting to watch. I, I am going to be watching that game closely to see what happens. Um, do we want to save the awards for later this week? Yeah, we can do that. Um, Jump to the audience questions. Yeah, so pull up the audience questions, and also um, we have an announcement too about like the bowl games. Uh, the uncensored moment of the week. We got to get back to doing this too. 
have you seen what the like cheese it bowl? There's two cheese it bowls, and everyone heard me fucking freak out last week because there's no reason there's two cheese it bowls at all. And the and just the sentence, the cheese it citrus bowl, is disgusting. It's Doesn't just it's so much citrus and cheese. It's just I it's, it's fucking gross. Um, anyway, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but they are also doing a. They're trying to make their first ever NIL sponsorship deal for the bowl games. And they're giving away a cheese it themed room. I saw that. Okay. If you, can you pull up the picture? It's yes, I will. Uh, it looks like a nightmare. It looks like a fucking nightmare. It, like the whole, so cheese it. If you guys haven't heard this, like cheese it is trying to have like for twenty four hours make you feel like you are if you were staying inside of an actual box of cheese its. I don't know anyone in the world that would ever want to do that. I love goldfish. I don't want to be in in a goldfish package. I just flat out. I like triscuits. I don't want to spend a night inside of like a you know ridged wheat. This is unbelievable. There it is, folks. The Cheez It Room uh, looks like a lovely view of Universal Studios or something like that out the window. Oh my god! Uh, that looks like the worst place to stay ever. It like vaguely looks like like what I assume like a New Mexico themed like or like motel in the 70s would look like. But also like they're they're trying to make it where they're giving it away to a player the day before the game so that they they in theory would stay there the night before in that room. God, look at that thing. Chris choose wicker furniture. I don't know what that means. Um what does that mean? I have no, I have no idea, honestly. Anyway, um, yeah, I just I thought that was that was ridiculous. Uh, just you know, ugh. All right, uh, let's get into some of the questions from you guys, the listeners. Um, Willie says, "Worst or best Christmas present ever?" We've done that before. I feel like okay. Uh, Zachary Warden says, does Ohio State with its receivers have a chance to upset Georgia or will they get steamrolled like everyone else? I don't know if they get steamrolled because they are a very talented team and they've got more time to prepare and Ryan Day and all that kind of stuff. But there's also not really anything that would make you think otherwise if you look at their track record over the past two seasons. Like, yeah, I mean, as, as great as Ohio State we all thought they were, and I, I, I really thought that they were going to challenge for the national cha- or win the national championship. Um, I thought they would, it was a foregone conclusion. They would beat Michigan, but even dating back to last year, like this has kind of become a theme with how they've looked under Ryan day, like very underwhelming at times. And they lost it at home to Oregon last year, which is a big game. They lost on the road at Michigan and got fucking curb stomped in that game. Then, like, you know, year before that, they lost the Natty um, to Bama by 28 points. This year, you have a one-game season. You get your brains beat in by three three touchdowns at home. Uh, you know, like, and, and then on the other side, you look at Georgia, and Georgia has been able to do whatever they wanted at, at like, at a lot of times throughout the season, no matter who's in front of them. So, I mean, after watching that Tennessee game especially, I don't, I don't know what – Ohio State is going to do, um, like schematically, but I don't. I mean, I, I don't know if it's a blowout. I think it's like the five and a half point line right now. I hope it is. No, yeah, I, I hope it's a close game. I'm sick of watching blowouts in the playoffs. Um, 
Is it possible? So Zach also said, is it possible for Hugh Freeze to win the West in year one because Auburn Voodoo Magic? Um, I mean, I would say obviously Auburn Voodoo Magic has something to do with it, but also it could coincide with it being a great time to have a good NIL war, uh, like war chest that you can go out and potentially get yourself a QB that may also be able to generate some interest from other receivers. You could turn that offense around pretty quickly and they already had a decent defense you just have to look at the other programs in the in the west i mean we've already talked about about where's bama gonna be next year i think lsu takes another step forward um whether it's nussmeyer or daniels so i guess it's always possible for hugh freeze to win the west in year one i wouldn't count on it 10 percent. they also get uh bama at home which is a nightmare for, for most bama also we have um oh shit i forgot i forgot i tweeted that that Ohio State guy made a very mean comment about somebody oh, posted in the Stroud. comment section. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ross. Ross says, what yeah. ripple effects will Deion Sanders hire affect the SEC? Travis Hunter coming into the SEC previously solid commits flipped to Colorado. Um, there are I think 200 Travis, players that reached out after day one. Yeah. I think Travis Hunter is definitely going to follow him there. I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't. I think he stays at, at Jack State. No, don't don't envision that. Um, yeah, yeah, that that whole situation is kind of weird. Um, I don't think that he's going to be getting. I don't know. I guess he did get Travis Hunter last year to go to Jackson State, but I, I don't see him sustaining like top five recruiting classes. Like no. I think he may pick off one or two here there, like they did last year. But I think for the most part, until Dion, like let's say it goes really well at Colorado. And he inevitably moves to another school that's bigger. Um, like if he ever lands like in the SEC, watch out. Like I think he could put together, but like obviously he would have to put together a good track record of like being a good coach at that point too. Um, yeah. So it would all be working for him. But I don't think that it's going to be like you know a top five recruiting. I could be totally wrong though. I mean, shit. I mean, it is the worst power five job in the country for sure. Yeah. Um, not a lot Here's of talent like around the surrounding areas in, in Colorado either. So yeah, that's true. you're pulling kids nationwide. Um, what is, this is from Joseph Moore. What's the best 750 milliliter whiskey under 50 bucks? Whiskey? Yeah. Or just, mm. I'm going to say bourbon because I don't. Yeah. I don't really drink a ton of whiskey. Um, Cause it makes me fight, dude. I can't, I can't drink it. I can't drink whiskey, dude. Every time I drink Jim Beam, I fight somebody. Uh, let's see. Under 50? Yeah. Um, I mean, is Woodford under 50? Because that's... Yeah, Woodford's under 50. Um, I like Woodford. I think Basil Hayden uh, too. Yeah, I like Basil Hayden. Those are definitely, like, a little bit on the, like, lighter side in terms of proof. But they're good, like, just solid drinking bourbons. And by the way, if there's anyone in the chat or any of you listeners out there that are over the age of... 25 and still like mix your bourbon with coke just don't do that that. don't do that you eventually you gotta you gotta graduate to just drinking it neat or on the rocks either one i'm not gonna hate hate on you if you don't drink it neat i don't drink neat it's a little too much like a splash of water yeah and some mellow yellow throw it in there you know (laughs) i would like i remember whenever i go to the liquor store i would always there's one like right next to the apartment when we lived in like midtown and I would get like a bottle of like Woodford or Makers or whatever. And then I would get like two cans of Diet Coke just to have Diet Coke. 
like in the can. Right. And every single time I, w- I did that, I felt like I was being judged by everybody in there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Probably with good reason. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not like a bourbon snob. I like bourbon, but there's like, if you, you know, bourbon's become very popular over the last couple of years. And I've like joined in some of these bourbon Facebook groups and they're just like such dicks to people. Like they'll be like, Oh, I got this cool basil Hayden bottle. And they're like, Oh, fuck basil Hayden's for pussies. <laughs> You're just like, all right, dude, <laughs> chill out. <laughs> yeah. Like the whole like hipster. Yeah. Like there it is very like, it's just basically like the same people that talk about IPAs. Yeah. It's just they're clean shaven and and tuck their shirts in. Right. Um, okay, here you go. Here's is Joey Freshwater just treading water at Ole Miss, hoping Bama comes calling. Where yes. are my fucking stickers? Good question. Um, I, I think he is personally. I don't know that Bama is like looking for him, but I I, I think definitely. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I I think he would leave Ole Miss for that job. Um, well, of course, anyone would. Well, I mean, he said openly that it'd be you'd have to be dumb to to take yeah. that job. Um, oh, to take but, the job after saving, yeah, after saving, yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I could see that. I guess a little bit. Uh, we already answered the what's the ripple effects. I, hold on, what outside of your job do you plan to do to stay sane during talking season? I think that's a pretty good question, and also. Uh, somebody had this from last week. What's the what's your favorite Christmas movie? Because I didn't realize that people were still watching It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, my my wife loves that. Um, what the fuck? I mean, like, guys, it's so bad. I mean, I'm it's just so bad. It. It's so bad, and it's like it's it's in black and white, and Jimmy Jimmy Stewart's voice is awful. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a t- that's a tough one. I probably would have to say Home Alone, two, two, yeah. I think that's probably my favorite. Um, I like Elf a lot. Yeah, I watch that anytime it's on. Um, I feel like Christmas Story is ruined for me. I've never been. I know, like, as you know, they play it twenty four hours on Christmas on TBS and shit. But I'm not like a huge Christmas Story guy. I like it. I'll it's watch it, long. but yeah. Um, Christmas Vacation is a good one. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't remember doing the best and worst Christmas present ever. I thought we did that last year. Um, okay, I'm gonna have to think of mine then because I don't even remember what it was. Well, I'll tell you a thousand percent what my worst gift that I ever got was or gave was. Um, and it's just let this be a lesson to you, uh, guys. I remember one year we were living out in Sun Mountain, and just like this, like a decade or so ago, and the heat went out in the house, and I had like I was like fresh out of college had no fucking clue what to do i was like we'll just get a space heater we won't fix the actual problem and so for christmas i got my girlfriend at the time a towel warmer i spent 200 dollars at sharper image for something to warm up the towels for what i later found out was a 60 dollars fix uh to fix the heat sick and i tell you what when you give the gift of getting out of the shower and just having deserved warmth like any home that anyone's ever stayed in when you can't offer that, but you can offer a mini dryer that takes up most of the bathroom, it's not it's not great. It wasn't great. It was really bad. That's that's pretty funny. Um Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say 
my when I got a Super Nintendo, probably was my best ever. I was just fired up for that thing, and I was addicted to it as well. Um, yeah, I never had one of those. I never had like a a game system. That's sad. Yeah, I guess. I I will say Super I Super Nintendo Sega Genesis. When I was, was dead broke, man, I couldn't picture this. I'm trying to think. I remember one year, like when I was like nine, I got like a bunch of stuff, like a TV, a stereo system, like all this like stuff. And we never did. We never spent any money at Christmas. It was like like a hundred dollars tops. And after like I was like opening up all this stuff, I was like nine. I'm like why am I? Why do I have a TV now? Mom was like, "Well, I'm having surgery on on Tuesday, and if I die, I want you to have some some nice things." And I was like, "Just take it back. Like, have yeah. take all of it back." Was that supposed to make me feel out, better about you potentially dying? It didn't. I will. <laughs> I will say that um, it was only for like a deviated septum too, by the way. So she was kind of dramatic, but yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. She's got the power probably, of God behind her. I mean, true. Um, uh, all right, so last thing here, uh, since it's bowl season, what's what's the first game? I'll look that up while you talk. All right, so we are doing the um, same thing we do every year, where uh, the bowl pick 'em challenge in the Facebook group. So if you are this Friday oh, is the first bowl. Okay, so we'll get everything set up, um, and we'll have like just like we've done the past couple of years. Um, it's going to be a massive bowl pick them challenge um, with everybody in the Facebook group. All the listeners will send out all the uh, information of where to sign up and all that kind of stuff. If, if we don't hear it on here, because I know we haven't set it up yet because Jay Woody was supposed to help. And I think he got a little bit busy today. Um, if you, if we don't hear it announced on the pod, then we will definitely put it on the face or in the Facebook group or on our Twitter page as well. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's free to enter. Uh, and the only difference is this year, we, instead of having one for each pod, we're just going to join forces and we're going to do one giant one for the SCS pod and cultural uncensored. Uh, the winner gets, so what we're trying to do, I'm not going to promise any stickers. You're welcome. Um, in the past, we've like had somebody come on like in an in interview and get to do like a fourth and wrong type thing. Um, that will still be the case for Connor's and Will's podcast. I'm going to get us some booze from American distillery our American Spirit Works um, and our good friend Booty, who works there. And so from us, you'll get some free booze, maybe a hat of some sort. I don't know. I got some like knickknacks back here. I got like a Johnny Manziel autographed helmet if, if Garza wins. So there you go. Um, okay. Yeah. That's exciting. I'm going to beat all your asses in that. And I'm last gonna, year, I'm in the wards. Last year, um, I can't really say most of the story on on air but the person that won i'll say right now was the hottest member of the facebook group out, out of all 5600 people i know i won last year too you didn't win last year the hottest person in the group no not even close it was uh, no it was not okay. you all right um anyway but yeah it uh, was, hey, uh, go ahead um one quick thing so Robbie Falk, who is a 247 uh, beat writer for Mississippi State, just tweeted out that Mike Leach needs a miracle. So, Oh, my God. Yeah. Seriously, everybody continue to pray for him. I'm hoping, obviously, for the best, man. It's just a sad situation. I don't really know what's going on with that, but it seems kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, hopefully we'll have a better update for next week. Yeah. So, hey, prayers to Mike Leach tonight. 
uh, his health situation seems very critical at this point. Yeah, Bryce yeah. Jones just put in the chat too. We need to talk more about Mike Leach. It's bad. Yeah, no, no doubt. Well, I don't want to end everybody on a on a sad note, but well, just keep him in your prayers. Too late for that. So, all right. Well, uh, go rate us five stars. Yeah, and also, guys, before we sign off, just remember Santa's not real and and love Whoa. is dead. So, there's no, we don't have any kids listening to this show. My son listens to the show. Okay. All right, guys. We'll see you on Wednesday or Thursday this week. All right. Peace.